protecting yourself from coronavirus and whatever the next mystery virus or sickness is going to be, it starts with you. Your first line of defense is not a face mask or gloves. Yes, that's important right now through so because of social distancing and the coronavirus. But far more important for this and for any other sickness that you may face in your lifetime is a healthy, strong immune system. What does that mean and how do you get it? Listen and learn from one of the leaders in creating health from within, Dr. William Lee. I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator podcast. Please, at the end, rate and review it because it's so critical to be able to share this information and share this podcast. Right? We need everybody healthy and strong from now until forever. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay strong. I'm Sarah Heiner, president of Bottom Line Inc., the number one provider of expert sourced, expert vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. And I'm thrilled to be talking today to Dr. William Lee, an internationally renowned physician, scientist, and author of the New York Times bestseller, Eat to Beat Disease, The New Science of How Your Body Can Heal Itself. His groundbreaking work has led to the development of more than 30 medical treatments, has impacted more than 50 million people worldwide, and covers more than 70 diseases, including cancer, diabetes, blindness, heart disease, and obesity. His TED Talk, Can We Eat to Starve Cancer?, has garnered more than 11 million views. And you've likely seen Dr. Lee on one of his many appearances on every major network and media outlet. He's also president and medical director of the Angiogenesis Foundation, which is disrupting disease through angiogenesis, the process the body uses to grow new blood vessels. Um, you can learn all about Dr. Lee and his book and get his great book, drwilliamlee.com, and you can find his book at amazon.com and wherever books are sold. So thank you, Will, so much for being with me today. It's a pleasure, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Well, and... You know, you and I actually have been planning this podcast for a while, and we were going to talk about the surprising foods that people can use to actually heal their bodies. And now here we are in the middle of this pandemic, and the doctors are talking about face masks. They're talking about hand washing. They're talking about social distancing, and no one is talking about the immune system and boosting the immune system. And in fact, I saw a doctor say, oh, no, if you try to boost your immune system, you can get autoimmune disease. So like what on earth is going on and, and like how important is the foundation of our protection? Like why aren't the medical experts talking about it? This, this basic premise of, of our whole self-defense. Well, that's a great question, Sarah. And, and just to let you know how I come about this, I'm a physician, I'm a scientist, and I'm also somebody who, who um, has been, have spent really the last 25 years helping to develop new biotech treatments for diseases. Now, the ones I've been working on are like cancer and, and vision loss and wound healing. Uh, and one of the things that I've learned from that is just how much our, the medical community's mindset is based around a couple of things. Number one, science. And so that's what you're hearing about everybody learning, developing and testing new drugs and, and trying to figure out the antibodies and looking for, you know, for testing. And the second thing is, we're really, our mindset is really about um, mechanical and pharmaceutical interventions, right? So a mask, a ventilator, uh, an antibody test, a swab, all these things are kind of the usual toolbox of the medical community. And certainly if you're really sick and you're rolling into an emergency room, um, you know, having uh, difficulty breathing and, and having a dry cough and a fever, you probably have COVID-19. And so you're going to actually get the top line technology, as long as it's available, given to you. And that's the mindset, right? So we're in, we're kind of in a siege mentality in the medical community where everybody is bracing 
for surges. Now, I have to say, we haven't seen surges in every single location where they've been predicted. And but where the, where they where we have been overrun, for example, New York uh, is a is a clear example where the system's been overrun. Everybody is just scrambling to grab whatever they got around them to help. Again, this is sort of the horse out of the barn. The campfire turned into the forest fire. Everybody trying to do something massive to try to bring things under control. This is in fact how the medical community. Um, operates. That's the SOP, Standard Operating Procedure. And what we're learning from all of this, and I think there's many lessons that um, uh, we'll have an opportunity to talk about on this podcast. One of the things we're learning is that we can't just put the fire out. We really need to go upstream and figure out how to prevent it. You know, I think preventing uh, infection uh, in this particular instance is reliant on boosting the immune system. But by the time the virus has already uh, essentially invaded the body, snuck around the immune system and started to wreak havoc, you know, in your lungs and, and your other organs. Yeah. Well, then it's time to actually, you know, break out the brigade to kind of put the fire up. But this immune system issue is now raising its head because we're asking how do people who recover manage to recover? Is it, it's got to be their immune system, right? So what part of it is it? Is it antibodies that actually, uh, 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 that our bodies naturally um, generate to be able to resist the common gold, uh, you know, influenza, or is it something else? And, and, and I think, so we're beginning to slowly shift our attention back to the immune system. But what you're asking, I think, is, even, is really profound. Uh, is this COVID-19 world crisis, it's a crisis of humanity, we've never seen anything like this in modern history, going to allow us to ask the question, of what really matters in terms of health. And clearly, the immune system is front and center. Well, and I heard a statement this morning that of the people that are dying, or people that are dying, I think it was, that 98% of them had some other comorbidity and most of them were obese, um, that they had other vulnerabilities to their systems, to their immune systems that have them vulnerable to this. And that, you know, as you just said, how come some people get it really bad. Some people get it a little bit. Some people don't get it. Or some people like you can, you know, I know with other sicknesses, the minute you start getting scratchy, you can take, you can take some supplements or you can boost your, you know, you can do things that kick up your system's ability to fight a notch right at the start so that you don't necessarily fall victim to the, the entire disease. Right. Well, I mean, that's really what I wrote about in my book, Eat to Beat Disease. Um, the, the subtitle of my book is actually The New Science of How Your Body Can Heal Itself. And really the secret for to staying healthy is our health defenses. Now, so what are our health defenses? Most people don't take for granted that, you know, you're healthy if you're not sick. But health, you know, not being infected, not having cancer, not having diabetes, not having cardiovascular disease, all the things that, you know, the, the healthcare system is grappling with, <clears throat> good health is not simply the absence of disease. It is the presence of our hardwired, our body's hardwired health defense systems firing on all cylinders uh, from the time we're born to our very last breath. And so what are these health defense systems? Um, we know from, from developing biotech drugs, and again, that's what I spent most of my career doing is figuring out how do we hack into the body and hack into diseases and figure out how do we actually come up with, you know, the next 
homing missile, the next smart bomb, the next <clears throat> super medicine, super drug um, to take out a disease. And, you know, while it's amazing um, that you can succeed uh, from time to time in developing new treatments, the reality is that what's been discovered is even more important, not the drug, but it's actually the fact that how our health, how are the body normally resists diseases. So we've got five health defenses, um, our circulation called angiogenesis, um, our uh, stem cells where we regenerate from the inside out, uh, our microbiome, the healthy gut bacteria that lives in all the orifices and crevices in our body, including our gut, our DNA, which is more than a gene our genetic code. In fact, it's, it's a system of defense that protects us from harms in the environment. And of course, finally, the fifth and right now, the most important health defense systems are immunity, which is much more powerful than we ever thought, because we now know, I mean, every grandmother's always told their grandchild that, you know, you have to have a strong immune system in order not to get sick. But we now know that even people who are elderly in their 90s, for example, have an immune system that's so powerful that it has the potential, if you allow it to, to wipe out cancer, even metastatic cancer. And so, you know, we're beginning to get into a new era, I think, of medicine, med medical research, where we're beginning, where we realize that we have to study how our body defends itself normally. And this COVID-19 <clears throat> brings us right to that precipice of saying, we got to understand this. We actually have to figure out um, uh, how does our immune system uh, work and it's not just about masks, which is blocking. It's not just about hand washing, which is getting rid of. It's not just about not touching your face because you know normally, uh, in normal days, you can touch your face all the time, and and we do it hundreds of times a day, without getting infected. How do we boost that shield, that the system that resists bacteria and viruses, so we're not taken out um, all the time? So I think this is where we, this is where we're at now. So, and I think one of the really interesting things, and you and I, before we started recording, we're talking about this, whether or not people will actually change behavior as a result of this. And you and I both know, like, prevention is really hard to sell to people. And I think, like, people understand heart disease. They understand they had a heart attack, their heart is broken. They understand they have liver, they have cirrhosis, they have liver problem. They understand pneumonia is in their lungs. But the immune system, it's like, where, can you, like, where is it? How do we paint a picture so that people can can understand, like get a visual of this thing of themselves, right? And one of the things that I think is so great about Eat to Beat Disease is you put the cause and effect together, like you, you tie those breadcrumbs together. But is there a way to like paint a picture for people of right. the, their immune system, like to see it and so to feel it, to know that it's real and then it's something that they can actually control? Sure, absolutely. So basically, let's first start with body fluids, right? So whether you're looking at saliva or whether you're looking at blood, you know, everybody's cut themselves and everybody has, you know, had seen their saliva when you're brushing your teeth. Those fluids actually are filled with um, uh, immune uh, part of our immune system. And by that, what I mean to say is that our, our the, think of your immune system uh, the immune system as an army of super soldiers that are produced in particular organs in the body. I'll tell you what those are in one second. And these super soldiers are patrolling everywhere. They're in your saliva. They're in our blood. And they basically have one job and one job only, which is to spot foreigners, spot invaders that are trying to penetrate our body, things that are not ourselves, and are trying to attack us or have the potential to attack us and then when, once they spot those enemy soldiers, 
our super soldiers, our friendly protective soldiers, our immune system has one, has that does one thing, which is to take them out. Okay, so I, I you know kind of guard guard our defenses, guard our borders, look for invaders when you find them, um, uh, you know attack and and remove them from the system so that there, there's no harm. So but they're just they're a displaced army. It's not like there's an immune organ in the body. Uh, well, so here's the <laughs> we're, we're, this is changing. Our right. knowledge is changing. So when I went to medical school, I was taught that our immune system really starts inside our bone marrow, which is, you know, the, the spongy stuff packed in the center of our bones. If you've, you know, if you've ever seen like, um, I don't know, like an osobuco or, or some like a beef shank or a lamb shank, you know, a big bone with a hollow thing in the middle. Most of our bones are hollow. That's what, by the way, birds are hollow, but it's filled with air. Ours are filled with cells, immune cells. A lot of them are immune cells. And so that's where we were taught that our immune system actually begins at the begin, uh, you know, when we're, when we're born. Yes. Um, inside the, the, the tunnels of our bones, of the long bones, are millions of cells that are continuously um, being, they're, they're like super soldiers, they're being trained to be super soldiers in our bone marrow. That's kind of like boot camp. And then they go to other organs as we're growing up. Um, people don't may not recognize this, but the thymus gland is a gland when you're a kid and all the way up to your teenager, it's like behind the breastbone. So you never hear about it. It's um, it's this like silent organ that by the time we hit puberty, pretty much goes away. But between childbirth and puberty, our immune cells go from our bone marrow and, and, and some of them get trained. It's kind of like Navy SEAL boot camp, you know, like SEAL team training camp um, in our thymus. And then they really figure out how to protect ourselves, you know? Um, so this is why, by the way, for kids, it's important to actually be exposed to viruses and bacteria so that during that training period, our super soldiers get to recognize as many bad guys as possible. Later on, after, uh, you know, the, the, the immune cells start to uh, distribute into different parts of the body. So, um, the spleen is another organ inside the body. So these soldiers kind of get deployed to different military bases. The spleen, which is an organ um, kind of behind our stomach, uh, is one of them. It's on the left side of the body. Um, uh, another place are in our lymph nodes. So have you ever had kind of like a, uh, you know, you got a, a quote, a not, not COVID, but another viral infection, you might have some swollen lymph glands underneath your chin. You know, people feel those and are a little tender. Mono. Like, or like mono. Exactly. Exactly. Now, that's another military base for super soldiers. And so when in mono, when your lymph glands are swollen, it's because your immune system is going to work trying to destroy that the mononucleosis um, uh, uh, enemy, the invader, right? Okay. So that's really, that's been the teaching for, I don't know, maybe a hundred years. Like that, that's actually where our immune system is. Super soldiers that start in our bone marrow, they get trained in the thymus, and then they deploy in different parts of the organs. Uh, and they stay, they station different parts of the organ. Then they send out um, sentries, you know, patrols uh, in your blood, in your saliva, and they can produce antibodies to knock out invaders. So, so think about it as sort of like this dispersed military that's highly trained to protect yourself against foreign invaders like viruses and bacteria. And also, as a as a as a footnote, also cancer cells that are not ourselves; those are also enemies. So our immune system can recognize that. Now, about 10 years ago, not that long ago, we made this startling discovery that, in fact, most of our immune system as adults is actually not even in our bone marrow, not in the thymus, not in the spleen, not in our lymph nodes. It's actually in our intestines, in our guts. 
And they now have discovered that um, that about 70% of the immune system is found like the jelly in a jelly roll, if you can imagine that. So the intestines is this big long tube, right? Like a garden hose. And if you cut yeah. if you cut a garden hose in half, you'll see that it's got a lining, right? It's got the walls of the garden hose. And imagine if you actually, you know, um, uh, squeeze jelly into a jelly roll between the layers of the garden hose. And it's the intestines with this layer in the middle of it. Um, that jelly roll layer is in, is an immune system called the uh, 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 gastrointestinal associated lymphoid tissue, or GALT. Seventy percent of our immune system lives in our gut, and guess what? Our microbiome, the healthy gut bacteria that lives inside the walls of, like inside the tunnel of our intestines, communicates, you know, um, but like knocking, you know, remember like in college, right? You knock on the wall to your neighbor, your, your, um, right. your um, it communicates to our immune system. So our gut bacteria connects to our immune system. And now you can easily imagine what we eat that affects our gut bacteria can in, impact on a huge portion of our immune system. Yeah, so I always think it's so fascinating that, you know, people consider food like something that goes in and goes out. And in between, they have no clue of what's going on. And yet when you start to think about the process and the absorption of nutrients and that whole, that jelly roll slime of all the, the gut biome in there that, you know, that's touching and absorbing and interacting with it, it gets a whole other perspective on what you're, what you're putting in there. Exactly. And, you know, and, and it's okay that most people don't think, you know, don't have a sort of a, an expertise, expert knowledge about, uh, about what's going on, except that, you know, <clears throat> we are beginning to make discoveries that change our understanding of how humans actually operate out there. You know, like, for, and you I know, think, I think that's so important for people to realize, like the current state of knowledge is just the current state of knowledge. And even in the last couple months with COVID, where they started out thinking that, oh, it was just kind of, you know, it's like one kind of virus. And now suddenly they're discovering the whole um, mechanism of this virus is entirely different than what they thought. Exactly. And, and, you know, that's one of the reasons I became a scientist and it is really because I think the secrets to life itself and, you know, also the, the juncture between life and death is still ahead of us to really fully discover, you know, I mean, you know, just when we thought that we knew so much about everything, <laughs> I think yes. it takes a COVID-19 crisis, world crisis, stops the entire world, like right. the planet hasn't stopped spinning, but the world has essentially stopped. Human civilization is, is, is being rebooted and it's giving us an opportunity to say, wow, what don't we know about ourselves that made us so vulnerable, so fragile to somebody sneeze, somebody's cough, somebody's touch, you know? And, and I think that this is an opportunity for us to have a deeper and more humble appreciation of how much we still need to know. And I, if there is kind of a, a, a silver lining, you know, to this experience that we're going through, it is going to be um, a renewed uh, effort to be able to understand how our body keeps us healthy and how we could avoid this kind of a threat in the future. Well, exactly. And hence, hence this conversation. So there they are. So, okay. So we don't have a thing called an organ, but we've got these defenses that are throughout our body, mm -hmm. in our gut, in our bone marrow, in our thymus, all of those areas. Now, do those guys, are those always, again, I'm one of, I'm, I, I want people to understand like how their bodies are functioning. We're going to get to the eat this to fix that piece of this, yeah, right? Because that's what everybody wants, the shorthand. But I think it's important to understand. So 
are these sentries and these, you know, guardsmen always on duty? Like that, like, do, do you suddenly pump them up? Are they always at the same level? Like, you know, we're talking about immune boosting. And I, mm-hmm. I literally heard a doctor the other day say, if you try to boost your immune system, you're going to give yourself autoimmune disease. Yeah. Now that well, seemed just yeah. crazy, but, and most people's, but their, their centuries are a little weak, right? To start with, because people, because of our lifestyles and our sleep and our diet, that our defenders are not so strong. They're getting a little squidgy in terms of their strength and ability to protect us. Right. So if you want to think about this as not a flash mob of everybody, you know, suddenly doing crazy things by themselves, but really it's think of it more, you know, from a military perspective of having a commander and having captains uh, above the forces, or if you want to make it more civilian, you know, so we don't we don't need any more time analogies. Think about the police. Think about the police. <laughs> now, department fire the army's protecting us. The the amount that the military is doing to save the day in this. Oh yeah, oh it's I know. amazing. Well, yeah. well, so but so think about the fire department, the police department, the mm-hmm. national guard, and the military. Right. So you know they all have weapons. You know they all can pounce on on, on bad guys, but they don't do it all the time. But they're ready. Like the fire department is ready to go down that you know, uh, down that pole and into those, into the trucks and to go put out whatever needs to race to the scene of a potential problem to put out that fire. And sometimes you don't have a fire there, but the trucks are there anyway, just to check it out. Right. That's really how our immune system is. And there's no fire pretty much. It everybody packs up and goes back to the station. Right. So, I mean, we've all seen this in our, in our own lives. Um, if you call the police because you see some ruckus going on, they might come by, do a drive-by, you know, there's no problem. They just go back. And so the immune system is the same way. It, it wants to kind of hang out in the station, but ready for action. They're on call, on duty. And, um, and by the way, the medical community is the same way. You know, in the emergency room, I used to run an emergency room. Um, pretty much you got the whole team there waiting for disasters to strike one at a time. Um, and, you know, when things are quiet, we're sitting around just kind of, in a Zen-like state, ready ready for action, but we don't actually just <laughs> start whipping out medical supplies right. any more than a fireman starts whipping out the fire hose uh, to do when there's no fire. So the immune system knows how to calm itself down. It knows how to go back to the station. It knows how to actually get back into the bunkers, right? And 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 I think that's the thing is that our immune system, like other health defense system, is always in a state of balance, always ready to go, but always in a state of balance. There's an on switch and an off switch. And here's what I would respond to what you heard from uh, this from the other from the other person, um, uh, are, it's very very difficult to make your immune system go uh, exceed itself to become autoimmune. In other words, there are so many checks and balances and control mechanisms um, uh, uh, that essentially, if you try to do it, it, it'll go as high. The volume will go as high as it'll go, and then automatically it'll shut itself back down. Right. And so you cannot overheat the immune system very easily. It's really, really difficult to do. So, you know, it's there's a rumor now that, oh, you know, like you don't want to be you don't want a strong immune system because, you know, COVID-19 actually causes your immune system to flare up. And, and that's bad. So you want to actually want a lower immune system. It's totally wrong. I think are- that, that's what every every ailment that you get is what causes your immune system mm-hmm. to flare up. That's what happens. That's what happens. That's why we get a fever. That's why we right. get flakes. And that's okay. That's your body kind of taking care of business, so to speak. Yes. Right? So so um, now it is true. You can actually, you know, in medicine, uh, we have developed drugs that will 
you know, on one hand, ramp up your immune system to, you know, super soldier, you know, superhuman capacity. That's how we're actually treating some forms of cancer, you know, to really help ramp up the immune system. Yeah. But that's a very specific specific area, right. And specific activity within the immune system. Exactly. It's trained only for the cancer cells and yeah, it does ramp things up and that's a drug and it's, and it's new and it's not easy to use. And then there are other drugs, of course, that are, you know, can turn the immune system off, right? Like high dose steroids and immunosuppressants. So we can shut it off too, but those are drugs. It's very difficult to use food, diet, lifestyle, sleep, exercise, any of the things that, you know, we all have control of in our lives to be able to create overages in our health defenses, including our immune system. So I would tell your listeners not to worry. You, you cannot overstimulate your immune system. It will go as high as it needs to go. And then it has an auto shutdown mechanism so that it doesn't actually, you know, blow the gasket and cause problems. It just, you just can't. Right. Um, now, now, let me ask you this. Though. So we've hmm. got a whole bunch of people around who haven't been getting enough sleep, don't necessarily eat healthfully, et cetera. So same thing, like are most immune systems for people, I'll call it a little vulnerable, like that they're, you know, their officers have been eating a few too many donuts, so they're not really at peak performance. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, think about, think about this as kind of like a, uh, uh, as a stressed situation, right? Everybody is anxious. We're uh, not getting enough sleep, not getting a quality sleep anyway. Um, because we're, 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 and there's a bit of fearfulness, right? So we know that high anxiety, stress lowers your immune system. Um, people are not working out and exercising the way they normally do. I mean, even kids in high school are not doing their sports, right? So the, or in college and, and, and and pro athletes as well, they're not playing and exercising and people are not going to gyms the way that we used to. Um, and without regular exercise, you know, the couch potato, so to speak, um, uh, your immune system is actually depressed. We also know that um, uh, we are uh, probably not eating as well as we should. Now, here's something that, that, that is, you know, this was happening before COVID-19. Uh, most people uh, are malnourished, even, or even when you're surrounded by an abundance of food, because, you know, we've been... Um, kind of duped into thinking that convenience food, packaged food, ultra processed foods, you know, all that stuff that is easy to get, tasty, kind of addictive to eat, snack food, junk food, um, uh, is, is, is what we should be putting into our system. Hence, we have high rates of diabetes, high rates of heart disease, high rates of, of obesity. And all of those conditions, diabetes, heart disease, uh, uh, obesity, and of course, cancer as well, they also depress the immune system. So, you know, you're bringing up something really important, Sarah, which is that, you know, life, even before COVID-19, um, uh, often put us in a situation where our immunity was suboptimal. Now you add another layer of stress. Now you add a layer of not getting enough sleep. Now you add another layer of not getting enough exercise. And you are, you know, pulling, continuously pulling the rug out from our immune system. This is the opportunity now to make better decisions. We might not be able to go to the gym. Uh, we might not be able to help the amount of stress we feel, although you can meditate and try to stay calm and read a good book and, you know, try to connect with friends to lower your stress, but everyone needs to eat. And so this is the opportunity to make, to lean into our food and make good choices because this is the opportunity. You, you know, we still have to go choose food to eat. We don't want to stock up on the stuff that's not good for us. We want to, we want to regularly eat now more than ever. 
the foods that are actually going to support our health defenses, especially our immunity. Yeah. So this is okay. So now let's talk about what those foods are. And again, I've said this a a thousand times in other places. I grew up a child of the sixties to your point about Mm -hmm. processed foods. You know, in 1960s, all that like shelf stable food was really cool. Now it wasn't going to rot and go bad. So breakfast cereals, pop tarts, you name it, all that stuff, which you look, I look at it now and I go, oh my God, like nutritionally what I, I was starving my body of nutrition. And it wasn't until years later when my body basically revolted and collapsed and said, this just won't do. I need good fuel. And to be able to see the difference of the fuel that, again, that that real food gives to your body, that we have to stop thinking about it goes in, it goes out, and it's just poundage of of calories, that it's nutrition. So let's let's talk about so so draw that connection now in terms of the food, the nutrients, and what those do to to fuel these defenders. Right. Well, let me just tell you a little story. When I when I was uh, seeing patients at a veterans hospital, you know, the VA is an amazing place because you know it's the place where we take care of the individuals who have committed their lives to defend our country and our freedom. And so they, these really grateful people that come in, and they were in their fifties and sixties and seventies and eighties. Um, and, and many of these veterans that I saw, my patients, my wonderful patients, were terribly out of shape. Uh, they, many of them were obese. They had diabetes, heart disease, cancer, lung diseases, <clears throat> uh, you name it. They, they had it, arthritis. And the thing that would always amaze me is thinking after I gave all these diagnoses that, you know, when these, kids, when these guys were 20 years old, they were cut, fit, buff protectors of our nation what the heck happened to them over, you know, the next 20 or 30, 40 years, right? Yeah. And, and, and clearly, uh, their diet and lifestyle played a huge role. And then, you know, after I wrote the prescriptions and sent them to the specialists, <clears throat> they'd always be really polite and thank me. And they were some of my favorite people, I've, my all-time people I've ever met. Um, they put on their coat and walk out the door, and I'd turn around to kind of fill out the forms. And then, you know, before they leave, they pop their head back in and say, hey, doc, is there anything that one more question. Is there anything I can do for myself? What should I be eating at home? And, you know, I, I would turn around and I realized, and this was many, many times this happened to me. I realized, you know what? I was never taught the answer to that in medical school. I was never taught how to advise somebody on what to eat to help them beat their disease or to fight their disease or to overcome or prevent their disease. And, and it reconnected with me, this whole idea that these, these guys now at the you know at, at the tailor at the later parts of their life were asking a question that they didn't have the answers to earlier nor did I and that led me on this journey to ask you know well what should we be eating and because I was involved with drug development I realized you know um, the difference that I had thought between nutrition and pharmaceuticals so the difference between a dietitian versus a physician right there are two different schools of thought i was always taught that you know well you know everybody's fine and then you write a prescription and it'll be better or you send them to surgery and i started to realize as through my career uh, you know what? No, no, this is all wrong. We, we really need to understand food as an important tool in the toolbox of doctors. I believe in medicines. I prescribe them. I have helped to develop them. So I'm a big believer in that right medicine at the right place at the right time for the right person. But, but everybody has to eat. And, and the, the perception that I had, which is that there wasn't a lot of science in nutrition or not enough science, I realized I could, I could play a role in this by studying food 
using research in the same systems that we use to study biotechnology for drug development. So I was one of the first pioneers looking at food as medicine and in, in truly using studying food in, in drug development systems. And all of a right. sudden, if you go head to head, you can realize that some foods are as powerful as medicines. And so I then started to think about I started to realize that when it comes to food, it, there's no such thing as a superfood or a super supplement, which is what we get marketed to all the time. But in fact, when it comes to food and health, it's not just about the food. It's about how your body responds to what you put into it. And now that brings us back to what doctors are trying to do is to think about how our body responds. And so, you know, what I wrote about in my book, Eat to Be Disease, is really about how does the body work to stay healthy? What happens when we get sick? And then what happens when you put different kinds of foods? And I write about more than 200 different kinds of foods in your body to activate your health defenses, including your immune system. And when I started to really dive into this research, which I started about 10 years ago, it was really eye-opening to me just how powerful food is in helping our bodies um, uh, pump themselves up, boost our own health defenses. And that's something that's now more important than ever before. Can I say, just as an aside, it never ceases to amaze me and astonish me that like here you were, top doctor, top researcher, and you're going, wow, food has an impact. I had no idea. And, you know, if hopefully one of the changes that will come out of all of this is that the medical schools will start to realize nutrition might actually be something they should have as part of their curriculum. Well, you know, that's one of the things that I am actually <clears throat> committing my myself to doing is to try to bring everything I've learned back to my uh, my profession, my peers, and the younger people who actually uh, uh, need to understand that that in fact Mother Nature is much more clever, powerful, uh, insightful, filled with more wisdom than drug companies are. You know, it, <laughs> it it would be impossible for you know a pharmaceutical company to to develop something as sophisticated as a tomato, for example, or an apple. Uh, and yet, you know, here we are trying to develop things. You know. Um, uh, uh, and food, by the way, is so much more accessible as an intervention and, and more applicable to early stages of health from childhood all the way to aging. And so if you want to talk about healthy aging, it's not about, you know, like, oh, how do I not have arthritis and how do I not have my hair fall out and how do I not get diabetes or, 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 or you know, become obese? It's really how do I keep my body in tip top shape? And we all know certain people that have gotten really, really old. You know, my, my great uncle lived to 104, okay? And he wow. was intact all the way to the end. And, you know, you always wonder, like, well, how do people make it that far, you know, so well? And that's what we should aspire to. We could study more about that, sort of the biology behind that. It will allow us to understand more how do we stay healthy during that journey. Yes, absolutely. Although, again, like from a holistic point of view, just the 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 the, the the food as a system, your body as a system versus like eat this to fix that, although it does help as well. And I'm not going to let's talk about eat this to fix that. I will now contradict myself in its entirety. Um, but let's talk about some of those foods that can help people to have these stronger defenses to presumably to to protect themselves from getting coronavirus, but then also theoretically to help them minimize the impact should they get sick. Right. Well, you know, um, one of the things I've been doing <clears throat> during this COVID-19 crisis is trying to help get the message out about some foods that people can eat that are supported by human evidence, right? So, you know, one of the things that I've always been amazed by is 
the number of people that are out there on the internet and on television and wherever touting, you know, magic supplement, magic, this magic, that, uh, and magic is, does not belong in the world of, of diet and health. It's really about science. And so what I'm the kind of science that I've been trying to communicate on is what foods have human evidence studied in humans in clinical studies that can actually boost the immune system. And so, um, you know, among the ones that I found most, um, impressive and convincing, uh, for example, are mushrooms, right? So, uh, by the way, these are going to be mostly plant-based foods, um, not exclusively, but, you know, mushrooms contain this, um, uh, this, uh, type of fiber called beta glucan. It's kind of looks, looks like a sugary type of molecule. And, um, one thing it does is it actually, uh, feeds our gut microbiome. So when we eat mushrooms, Whatever nutrients we uh, we absorb a lot of mushrooms. It's got a good source of vitamins, vitamin D, and everything else, which helps our immune system. Whatever all we mushrooms, absorb, uh, yeah, all mushrooms. Some some slightly different than others, but overall, overall in all the simplest all, form, overall mushrooms, all mushrooms, all, all, overall, yeah, all mushrooms, mm-hmm. and 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 they're a good source of vitamin D. By the way, a little tip about vitamin D, which is known to support our immune system. If you le- if you let a mushroom bring it home and you let it actually mature, kind of like on your um, countertop. Like maybe a few days over the time of type the over the uh, course of days, if, if there's some sunlight hitting it, the vitamin D levels increase. It's amazing. It doesn't decrease; it increases. Um, mm. uh, and and the fiber in the mushroom is the beta glucan actually um, is present not just in a caps, you know, which is what most people eat, cook and eat with, but also in the stems. Um, in fact, there's more beta glucan, the good stuff, in the stem than is in the caps. So I always tell people to eat both. And when you cook them, and there's so many different ways you can cook a mushroom, right? You can you can just saute them. You can slice them up and put them in a salad. You could bake with them. Uh, you know, like you can put them in a casserole. A lot of different ways that you cook uh, mushrooms. I, I love them. And there's so many different kinds. And you can have dried or fresh. Um, uh, whatever your body doesn't absorb as nutrients, the beta-glucan then goes to feed your gut bacteria. So think about it like, you know, the scraps that you're not eating on a table, if they wind up going to the dog. <clears throat> right? Um, that's basically what you're doing. Whenever you're not eating, um, you're not absorbing yourself. Those scraps go to your gut bacteria. Turns out that the beta-glucan feeds your gut bacteria. And when those gut bacteria are happy and fed, right? Um, guess what they do? They talk to your immune system in that jelly roll that we were talking about earlier. And they say, hey, guys, um, you know, wake up and let's let's take a look around the body and make sure that things are uh, in good shape. So it's funny in my mind, you're talking about that the gut bacteria gets the scraps. The image in my mind actually is that we have to think about feeding that gut bacteria as much as feeding, you know, our arms and legs. Well, so that's, that's the other thing is that I'm just trying to say that, you know, like when we eat food, our gut bacteria is part of who we are. We're feeding our cells, but then we're also feeding our, we're feeding our human selves. Right. And then we're also feeding our bacterial selves. I think I heard you make an amazing statement that our body is 50% bacteria. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. So we've got, I mean, the exact numbers are still, you know, a, a topic of scientific debate, but okay. ish. Know, we, in yeah, ish, ish numbers. Yeah, about, about ish, there's about, there's about 37 trillion ish human cells and there are about 39 trillion ish bacteria. So we're one to, almost one to one. We're outnumbered. Fact, we are, we are, in fact, <laughs> we're, we're we are an ecosystem. We're like a coral reef, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's not just one type of bacteria. It's like, you know, hundreds of thousands of different types of bacteria teeming in our bodies. So we're like the, we're, you know, like we're the great barrier reef of, of, of living organisms. By the way, as an interesting aside, 
um, we're not even known as humans anymore because an organism that is composed of different species, right, is actually called a holobiont, H-O-L-O-B-I-O-N-T, a holobiont is actually what humans actually are, partly human and partly bacteria, right? So wow. um, so it's a, it's a mind-blowing thing that when we put, whatever we put in our mouth, which is the only kind of orifice where food actually you know, is supposed to enter, um, uh, where our human selves are absorbing all the nutrients that are necessary for, you know, our cells to activate our genes and everything else. The rest of it goes directly to feed our gut bacteria. And so, by the way, you mentioned earlier, you know, being a, uh, growing up in the sixties, you know, when, when you fed, uh, uh, when we had all the pro- processed food that, that, um, tickled and pleased our, our senses, right. Which is what a lot of those ultra processed food convenient foods did that like like wow this tastes really great but had very little nutrients for our human selves they offered almost nothing to our bacteria in fact many ultra processed foods have been found to actually damage our gut bacteria you damage that gut bacteria you damage your immune system and it's yeah. not just the immune system it also damages the metabolism which makes you more likely to have um uh, obesity and diabetes type 2 diabetes and other uh, 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 health can help other disease conditions as well. So we're all interconnected, right? So the human cells, the bacterial cells, our food, you know, what we absorb in our human selves and what we, our bacterial selves absorb, and then our immunity and our health defenses all interconnected, just like the ecosystem. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's so important for people to understand. Okay. So we got mushrooms. What else? Um, <clears throat> okay. Uh, I'm, I'm super impressed by studies involving broccoli uh, and especially broccoli sprouts, uh, there was, uh, so, you know, basically they broccoli and broccoli, broccoli sprouts are baby broccoli, just a few days old. And you can sprinkle them into a salad or put them into a, a smoothie. Um, broccoli are the, the, the grown up version of it. And they all belong to a family of, um, cruciferous, uh, uh, vegetables called brassica. So bok choy, you know, cauliflower, all part of the same uh, mustard greens are all kind of part kale. They're all part of that same gigantic family. If it's green in a grocery store in a produce section, it, right. it very likely belongs to this category. But broccoli has been actually studied and it's really amazing. Um, uh, there was a group that actually studied um, young, healthy people in college getting a flu vaccine, um, just a regular flu vaccine, uh, which amps up your immune system to defend against the flu. Uh, and then they uh, split up the group. So half of them only got uh, the vaccine with a with a kind of a placebo. And the other half actually got a, uh, a shake, kind of like a smoothie made with two cups of broccoli sprouts uh, and, and some other stuff in it. And when, when they combine um, giving the flu vaccine with the broccoli sprouts, the amazing thing that happened in the people who ate the broccoli sprouts shake is that their immune cells ramped up 22 times. Uh, they, they ramped up 22 times um, the, uh, their, their power. So increase the number, increase in potency. And, and that was just, you know, yeah. having, having a sprout shake. And right. if you can't get ahead of a hold of broccoli sprouts, um, uh, regular broccoli also works, just not quite as powerful because the um, natural chemical that we think boosts the immune system called a sulforaphane in broccoli sprouts is a hundred times concentrated in the baby sprouts compared to um, uh, the adult broccoli. Now you so, told me though, when, a while back when we talked that actually just like the mushrooms, the stems have more um, nutrients in it than the crowns, even yeah. though everybody likes to eat the crowns. 
that's a really good memory you have there. So I did some research to um, try to think about sustainability, right? Because when you most people buy broccoli, they're only buying the head of broccoli. And uh, or if they go to a farmer's market, you most people will then real discover that broccoli is only a little bit of the treetops. Most of it's this big, thick green stem. And what do you do when you go home? You cut off the stem, and most a lot of people throw the stem away. But if you go to look at these really healthy cultures in the Mediterranean and um, in Asia, um, uh, basically people are cooking with the stems. And so I actually took a look at some of the levels of cancer fighting substances, and we found that in the stems you have two times the amount of um, uh, of good stuff in the stem as in the treetops. And so just like the mushrooms, what I always say is you know make sure you use the whole plant. Um, and don't not just the, the tops, make sure you have the, the, the stems uh, as well. So broccoli is sort of another really uh, good one. Um, olive oil is another uh, immune, has been, also been shown in human studies um, uh, to actually have an immune boosting capacity. Now, olive oil is a healthy oil, but like any fat, uh, having too much of it isn't, isn't too good for you. So most people say, well, how much olive oil should I aim for having every day? You know, if you don't have to have fat, don't have it, but if you're going to use any kind of fat to cook with whatever, olive oil is the choice um, that I would recommend. How much? And that's an extra virgin. Extra virgin, because extra virgin is, you know, what they call cold press. It's the stuff that looks green in the bottle, or have you ever seen it served in a mm -hmm. restaurant? Or it's got the kind of um, unadulterated, unfiltered stuff when you press an olive that it's like the green stuff comes out of it. It's the polyphenols that are in that kind of um, uh, in that green stuff, that's actually what's good for you. And, and um, compared to butter uh, or any other oil, um, olive oil is good. I always say, you know, aim for about three tablespoons or no more, if you can help it, um, uh, to, to of olive oil a day. So that's a good rule of thumb. Three tablespoons of olive oil is, is probably what you should aim for if you're going to use any oil at all um, and use all extra virgin if you're going to actually use olive oil. So that's I assume the, eating olives is good. Olives is great. Olives have, you know, so the, the oil basically is just the, the fatty part. Um, so like uh, olives are unique because when you press them, um, you, the, the fat, the oil comes out and then there's liquid that actually the oil floats to the top. There's liquid, there's water, a lot of water and oil too, that goes to the bottom. Um, uh, the, um, the water, um, when you make olive oil, the water is just flushed away and the oil is collected and put into the bottles. turns out that a lot of the good stuff, you know, there's natural molecules called, um, uh, hydroxytyrosol and a whole bunch of oleocanthin, things that tongue twisters that researchers have discovered, researchers like me, that mostly present in the olive water. So when you eat the whole olive, you're actually getting both the oil and the liquid part that contains all most of the healthy stuff. So the oil is good, but eating the whole olive is even better. Yeah. Okay, cool. How about um, all those purple things, the berries? You say Concord grape juice is good, cranberry juice, pomegranates. You, you know, um, I always sort of uh, say there, there's a couple of uh, interesting uh, health flags in nature. You know, when you go to the beach, you see a red flag. That's like the lifeguard flag. Um, when you go to the supermarket, um, the health flags, you know, which is sort of like, hey, heads up, there's something good here. Things that are, th things that are colored red, blue, and purple, right? So berries. Think about you go to the berry section. You get your blackberries, you get your raspberries, your strawberries, um, uh, blueberries, 
so uh, your grapes, right? So um, it, it turns out that the natural dyes that make these beautiful colors, the reds, the blues, the purples, are anthocyanins and, and um, other types of natural dyes that, are, that actually protect the plant. So, you know, when, they're grow- when the berries are growing on, the pl- on their own plant, a lot of these um, colorful dyes either attract bees so they can pollinate or they're actually insecticides to repel pests so that they're not attacking the plant. And it turns out when you when we eat them, those natural dyes, uh, I mean, you know, you've, you've seen like, you know, somebody who's eaten a berry pie, right? <laughs> Their whole face turns blue or red. Um, uh, Pure enjoyment. Exactly. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a joy of childhood, right? Um, that, that those dyes actually, when we swallow them, they, they activate our human cells. And one of the things that they do is they... Up, uh, they amp up our immune system. It's quite amazing. Blueberries can do this. And by the way, you don't need a lot. You need like just like a cup and a half of blueberries a day. So if you wanted to make a smoothie, you know, very easily, just like, you know, get a cup and a half. It's not, it's not very much put into a blender with a banana or something, um, a little bit of, 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 of coconut water or whatever. And, 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 and you just blend it up and it's an amazing, you know, kind of wake up juice, but it's, this kind of stuff has been studied to actually amp your immune system. Um, black raspberries is another one. Um, uh, uh, I love blueberries. Uh, strawberries also um, uh, uh, have this uh, benefit. Strawberries are a little bit different. They, they actually can, are a great source of vitamin C. Vitamin C kind of helps fill up the tank of your immune system so your immune system can function at its regular levels. So it's hard to go wrong with berries. Conquer grape is a little bit different. Um, there's been a couple of juices that have been studied. Conquer grape juice, which, you know, remarkably tastes like grape, the grape candy we all enjoyed when we were kids. You know, I mean, it really tastes like real grape. I love grape juice. Yeah. Conquer grape juice is yeah. amazing. Um, yeah. uh, cranberry juice. Okay. Now that's the opposite. It is about as tart as you can get, right? So it makes you realize when you have a cranberry sauce, how much sugar gets put into it. But but, you know, it's a, kind of an acquired taste. And if you remember, you know, like college days, you know, like or high school, they're like, oh, you know, cranberry juice keeps you from getting a, a bladder effect. Yeah. Turns out that it's true, but it's but it's not but it, it's not because it changes the pH of your urine. It, it, it turns out that cranberry juice naturally has an immune stimulator. And it has, causes these what we call first responder immune cells, these guardians of your immune system, to go right to the mucous membranes, which includes your bladder, but also your 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 nose and your mouth. And it actually, you know, um, gives you a stronger uh, kind of um, uh, uh, defense line of defense uh, mm. where viruses and bacteria can enter, which is why it helps with bladder infection. In fact, it does really actually work when you study in clinical trials. So that's um, and pomegranate's different. Pomegranate has yet another uh, 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 healthy uh, uh, substance called elagitanins, and it turns out that when you drink um, pomegranate juice, and I, I love it, I have it every day, um, when you drink that, um, the, the natural dyes that make pomegranate juice like purple-ish, purplish-red, it, it stimulates our gut, our intestines, to actually secrete more mucus. And that when there's a lot of mucus in your in your in your gut, which is normal, um, that there are certain bacteria that love to grow in that mucus. It's like putting the right kind of topsoil in your garden, and so your daffodils can grow. In this case, the daffodils that you want to grow in that mucus is really a bacteria called Acromantia mucinophila. This Acromantia bacteria, which is part of our microbiome, one of the bacteria in our microbiome, 
is an immune guardian. So by drinking pomegranate juice, we're causing the soil in our gut, so to speak, in our the garden of our gut to grow exactly the flowers that we want, in this case, the acromancia, which boosts our immunity. And in fact, it's so powerful that this bacteria, acromancia, has been shown to also have an anti-cancer effect. It actually helps our body defend against cancer. So, you know, so this is where science is going. This is not about getting up on a box, you know, soapbox and waving your hand and, you know, try to sell some, you know, the magic superfood or super supplement. This is really about using science to break down what do we know about how the body works to defend itself? And then what are what do foods do when we eat them? What do specific foods do when we eat them? And do we have human evidence that it's beneficial? And the answer is yes. Well, and the other interesting thing, again, the immune system is so multifaceted. So these different types of food do different types of things to boost the broad scope of the immune system. One boosts the mucus, one gets the defenders going, right? So that having a, a, a rich fullness of this. In your book, you talk about the five by five by five plan where you de- eat an array of foods multiple times a day that a- address all the levels of your defense systems. Well, even though right now we're talking about the immune system, but like it's not just drink pomegranate juice or just eat broccoli, that you need to have a variety of these to build the entire system. Exactly. And, and by the way, this is why, you know, I, I really want to emphasize to your listeners it's super important to eat diversely. You want to eat lots of different kinds of foods. You know, when you go to a farmer's stand, it is, it is like a, you know, I, I think of it as a kid in a candy store now, like all these things that you could eat. Um, and of course, everybody will have their favorites, you know. Um, uh, uh, you should eat as many different good things as possible. Start with the ones that you love, then go to the ones that, you know, you haven't tried before that you might like. Go on the internet to look for recipes, you know, ask the, the people in the produce section or behind the farmer's market, like, well, what is it? How would you cook with it? You know, this is an opportunity to explore, especially when we're going to be spending more time in our home kitchens while restaurants are closed. You know, like, you know, before COVID-19, it was all about quickly speed, go to restaurants, let somebody else do all the heavy lifting. Hey, guess what? We get to actually go back to a slightly simpler time where we can actually put more thought into what it is we're putting inside our body. And now what I'm trying to communicate is, it's, it's really those things you put inside your body can activate your immunity, which then ups your defenses, which can make you more likely not to get COVID-19 or any other illness as well. Yeah, exactly. Let's do a couple of more of these. I want to then talk about suppressing immune systems. I know I'm taking up a lot of your time this morning. Um, how about things like um, chili peppers or garlic or licorice, like spices and herbs and things like that, that can also support the immune system? Right. Well, so there's some smaller studies that have been done um, looking at uh, these things. So chili pepper is really interesting. It was a there was a gigantic study done uh, about uh, seven years ago um, in across all of China, and uh, and they were looking at longevity, and they found that um, people that lived in parts of China that ate lots of spicy foods, mostly spiced using chili peppers, you know, the Sichuan foods, spicy hot foods, um, actually live longer. In fact, uh, you know, people who ate at least one serving of spicy food a day had about a, I want to say 12% lower chance of dying from any cause, all right, whether it's infection or cancer or heart disease or diabetes or stroke. It was quite impressive. It was, it was I and mean, this, I think, involved 500,000 uh, people, healthy people. And so, um, and what's in 
uh, chili peppers. It turns out there's a, you know, the thing that makes you spicy, the, the, the part that lights up your mouth is capsaicin. Capsaicin actually activates um, a part of your immune system called your B cells, B as in boy cells. And those are the cells that um, are responsible for producing antibodies. Antibodies are really kind of like the bullets in the gun of your immune system. You know, by the way, like it's amazing how fast, I, I wish I could create an animation one day to show how fast a B cell makes, um, uh, uh, shoots out antibodies to protect it. But it's like, it's like I, I think like two times the speed of a machine gun, if you can imagine a tiny little cell in your body whipping out these antibodies that are, are um, custom designed to take out uh, bacteria and viruses. And so chili is there. Um, uh, is useful. Um, some people love chili. Some people are super tasters. So, so even a little chili is too hot, but that's, that's okay. It's not just um, a chili. Garlic is another spice um, uh, or flavoring. It's an herb, you know, it's, it's a bulb, really. It's a, an, an allium. Uh, we know that garlic actually has a lot of natural chemicals that also enhance your immune system uh, and helps build better circulation. It helps um, your metabolism through, you know, pr process cholesterol. Um, uh, much more, uh, much more efficiently. Um, turns out that aged garlic has been studied. Now, aged garlic you have to get in a supplement, um, but but occasionally you'll go to a, a market and you'll see black garlic, which is aged garlic. So this is fermented garlic, and you've probably heard now, um, you know, that this is becoming much more uh, widespread. This knowledge that fermented foods like kimchi and sauerkraut and you know those kinds of things are yogurt. Uh, actually are healthy because guess what? They feed the microbiome. This, these, these fermented foods are microbiome feeding foods. But in the case of aged garlic, it turns out that there are natural chemicals that get concentrated as the garlic ages. When garlic ages, it does turn darker in color, can even turn blackish. But um, the, the, the strong smell of garlic goes away becomes much less pungent as a flavoring. And so people decided, well, you know, the color of this black, you know, melty looking stuff, uh, I don't know if I want to be eating it, although it is used in some forms of cooking. You can cook with it, uh, black garlic. But, but you know, so you can, you, this is one situation where dietary supplements have been studied. And in fact, um, uh, people who've taken garlic, uh, aged garlic supplements do actually um, have an, an increased immune system. I actually just ordered some myself, you know, in sort of this COVID era because I'm, I'm interested in um, seeing my own experience with it. I, I haven't been taking it, but I, I, I'm about to start. Uh, so I'm really interested in, uh, in, in that. Um, you know, other um, uh, uh, herbs or spices, you mentioned licorice root. Um, licorice is really interesting because, you know, licorice is not the red and black strings that we probably all grew up with. Darn, I was all excited. I know. But but if you really have had licorice, number one, it, it tastes like more like anise, you know? Yes. Uh, and and it's a it's it's a really amazing flavoring. Um and it's and it is sweet, much sweeter by the way than the than the than those stringy ropes that we used to chew on. Um and there's a there's a substance in it called uh acid that is actually um, uh, 50 times sweeter than sugar, but it doesn't give you any calories. And so it's a natural sweet. Licorice is a natural sweetener uh, for things. Um, and when they've actually studied this, uh, researchers have studied this, you know, against rotavirus, which is the virus that um, infects cruise ships and things like that, or, you know, like when you're traveling, like traveler's diarrhea, they found that, you know, um, putting licorice in drinking water actually helps to clear that virus from uh, the body really, really quickly. And so it's a immune enhancing viral clearing thing. The one thing about uh, licorice, though, is 
it's a super strong flavoring, so you wouldn't want to have very much of it. You can use it to flavor teas and things. But there's some people that have um, uh, high blood pressure um, uh, uh, that, for, that you have to be really careful because this glycoterinic acid actually causes, can, can cause salt retention um, in some people. We don't know who exactly, but when it causes salt retention, if you have high blood pressure, it makes your blood pressure go even higher. Yeah. So, so, you know, again, food as medicine, more isn't always more. So, but, you know, but, it, but again, you know, so we, there's no magic with licorice. It's, it's just an, a really interesting observation. Um, I happen to like licorice um, as well. Uh, and is this in this case is this not eating then? So it's like a licorice tea or a supplement. Yeah, yeah, it'd be like a licorice. I would I would call it. I would use it in a tea. You know, if you like the flavor of anise. Yes. Uh, so, uh, and I'm trying to think of other things you can actually use with, with flavor with anise. I mean, you know, you can bake with. Well, I mean, there, there's different licorice extracts you could actually use yes. to bake with. You know, so um, and by the way, that's different than anise. It just tastes a little bit like it. Yes. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, the the research in spices and herbs is is um, much less than sort of like the, the fruits and vegetables, but definitely, and we, and by the way, we tend not to use tons of spices or herbs in our general eating. I think parsley is an example. Parsley actually has got a lot of, it's got some research and it's got all this packed with a lot of um, uh, useful, healthy, health defense boosting uh, substances. Um, but again, most of these are, um, you know, they, they, they add a little, a little extra, extra twist, a little extra, layer of flavor, a little zing uh, to our tissues, but they're, it's different than, you know, eating an avocado or eating an eggplant. The full food. Let me ask you one last question if I could, Yeah. because I think it's really important, the flip side. Um, so these are, we've talked about things that can boost your immune. Again, in the book, Eat to Beat Disease, there's a whole long list of many foods that can help you boost your immune system. Um, on the flip side, we talked a little bit before about the snacking and we're all at home and they're eating junk food and all this, you know, kind of comfort foods. So what are the, like these foods, what are those doing? Or what are the foods that they're eating that can be harming and suppressing the immune system? Someone told me the other day, drinking a 12 ounce can of soda, of sugared soda suppresses your immune system by 30% for three hours. Oh yes. No, that's, that's true. I mean, you know, the thing is that there are foods that actually damage the immune system. Um, uh, sugar sweetened beverages are known to damage our microbiome. So if you have a can of soda, uh, uh, it actually damages your microbiome. It's not the sugar. It's actually, you know, some other side effect of, of having uh, of, the, of the, the concentrate of sugar in it. And by the way, it's also been found, when I say it's not sugar, it's not only the sugar, it's also been found with artificial sweeteners as well. So just because you've reached for so, the diet, right. diet Coke isn't better for you when it comes to, <laughs> you know, damaging right. your microbiome, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's probably worse because um, uh, it's more potent. Uh, you know, eating a, a lot of red meat or processed meats damages uh, your microbiome and damages your immune system. Um, so the what so-called Western diet compared to the so-called Mediterranean diet or, or the so-called Asian diet. I mean, these are, you know, kind of crude oversimplifications. Um, uh, but, you know, heavy processed food, meat heavy diets, which is the so-called Western diet or the classic American diet from the 50s and 60s and 70s, those have been shown to be more damaging to our immunity than other dietary patterns. So that's a really important thing to understand. We want to, you know, what I was, what I tell people, you know, in sort of a COVID-19 era is that, you know, honestly, it now is more important than ever to um, uh, eat, to be able to boost our health defenses. And in fact, the rules haven't changed at all. Healthy eating involves eating um, whole foods, mostly fruits and vegetables and herbs and spices. 
nuts and legumes, um, cut down on your red meat, um, uh, avoid ultra processed foods, don't eat any processed meats, um, uh, and stay away from, you know, ultra processed uh, foods that you find in boxes and things like that, and stay away from sugar sweetened beverages and, and, and artificial sweeteners. If you kind of use that as a filter, and then go online and, and go to the market, buy stuff, look online for recipes to cook it, you know, like we'll all be in healthier shape, um, not only during this crisis, but after we emerge from it as well, we will have you know, be better equipped not only to resist infection in the future from the virus, because this COVID thing is going to be around for a while, but also we should be healthier to resist ourselves from cancer, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, neurodegenerative diseases, all the things that we actually fear. One last thing I'll, I'll say, um, because this might help you, uh, some of your listeners get cleared up about the the, the uh, misconception is circling about COVID-19. Some people are saying this whole issue about like, if you stimulate your immune system, you'll get autoimmunity and it's bad for you. It makes you, makes people die from COVID-19. That, that is a misunderstanding. You want a strong immune system, strong as you can have to resist viruses. That's preventing the, you know, the, the army to prevent the invaders, the intruders from breaching your walls. Um, if they do, you want your army super strong to take them out. Okay, um, so that's why we want a super strong immune system to begin with. If this virus enters our body and manages to, you know, to kind of like take root and start to take over from the inside out, that's when people get really, really sick. You still need a strong immune system, and the sicker you get <clears throat> from this particular virus, and we're still figuring it out, the more the body fights, the harder the body fights to get rid of it. And finally, in the kind of like the later throes of the disease, it basically, it becomes so serious. The virus is so, you know, kind of nefarious that it triggers a red alert in the immune system, and the immune system pretty much unleashes all of its firepower to try to get rid of the virus. Um, and so this, this, this um, kind of like uh, all-out approach, throwing the kitchen sink at the virus, is called a cytokine storm. And that is massive, massive, massive inflammation that, that the body is reacting to the virus to try to get rid of it, you know, trying to desperately to, 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 to stomp it out. And the cytokine storm, unfortunately, um, can also damage the normal body. So that's not an autoimmune response. That is an inflammatory response. So there are certain foods that have been shown to reduce uh, to boost your immunity on one hand, but also to reduce inflammation on the other hand. They're not the same thing. They're related, but they're not the same thing. Green tea calms inflammation. I have a cup every day. To, you know, I just I enjoy it, and it helps to sharpen my mind, but it also calms inflammation throughout your body. Um, citrus uh, Foods containing vitamin C, for example, like oranges, citrus, vitamin, uh, orange juice, strawberries, guava has like twice the amount of vitamin C as, as an orange does. Um, those all actually can um, calm the inflammation that might be in your body if you're recovering from COVID-19 while boosting and filling up the gas tank of the immunity you need to defend yourself. So this is not an all or nothing. It's not, you know, black or white. You know, that's how people tend to paint these things. It's really about having the strongest possible immune defenses we can have and being able to calm our inflammation, which we know is already good for us. So powerful. Yeah. Thank you. And again, you know, while everybody's busy focusing on masks, they need to think about They've got so much control and power over their strength before that, before and after. The masks are, you know, the masks are important. The hand washing is important. The social distancing is important. But if you don't have a strong body, you're a victim no matter what. Exactly. 
Exactly. So. I mean, the the mask is just a picket fence you're putting in, you know, in front of your house uh, to yes. try to keep the deer from eating your flower gardens. But you know, like if if but if you, but you really need to actually make sure that we have much stronger defenses. So I, I, that's that's an amazing thing. I think we have to be able to do is to really shore up our defenses so, so we can actually be as, as well protected as possible. And if we want to shore up our defenses so we can be as well protected as possible then it's what I really call very simply how to eat to beat disease. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. William Lee. Amazing. Your book, Eat to Beat Disease, is incredible. Website, drwilliamlee.com. You can follow him on every social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Dr. William Lee. Thank you so much, and please stay safe. Thank you, Sarah. I'm talking to Dr. William Lee, best-selling author of Eat to Beat Disease, about the surprising ways in which everyday simple foods powerfully help protect us from disease, and conversely, how the wrong foods can actually lower our defenses. Dr. Lee doesn't insist on a diet filled with kale, Brussels sprouts, and broccoli. His understanding of the chemistry of the foods shows that things like grape juice and chili peppers are powerful tools in that fight as well, and how sourdough bread can lift your mood, which is so important during these challenging times. And no, it's not because of that delicious doughiness of the bread. Dr. Lee is just one of thousands of top experts who have been featured in our flagship publication, Bottom Line Personal, where we provide guidance to help you live happier, healthier, and wealthier lives. Our experts share insights on not just nutrition and disease prevention, but on all aspects of your life, including managing your money, smart home repair, living a healthy life, how to find bargains, unique travel destinations, smart tax strategies, and so much more. Bottom Line Personal has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for nearly 50 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get a free bonus book, Bottom Line's Best Bets, full of some of our experts' greatest tips of all time. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash expert podcast.